1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to begin in a moment in verse 11, 1 John chapter 5. If you find that, you can look this way, and I'll know you have it. Let me say a couple of things, and then we'll start. Tomorrow night in the service, we're having school night. It'll be an important night. We expect a lot of people here, and hopefully we'll have parents of kids and others who will be here, some of whom won't know the Lord, and so I'll be preaching the gospel tomorrow night. I'll be preaching briefly tomorrow night. So depending upon when I get on, we'll get out, I think, fairly early tomorrow evening. Let me encourage you to be here. Tuesday night, we're going to be showing a video of the Bill Rice Ranch. It's a little less than 10 minutes in length, and it shows the ministry of the ranch. Many of you know very little about that, so I think that'll be a blessing to you. Two books, quickly I'll mention. Growing Through Crisis by Martha Tyler. She lives here in uh, Fort Myers. We were with Brother Don and Martha uh, many times in revivals in Indiana, Brownsburg. That book's back there. It's for ladies. It's excellent. Cowboy Boots in Darkest Africa is by my father, and it is a thrilling book of missionary adventure. So I hope you'll look at those um, on the table at back. You got 1 John 5? Verse 11, if you will please, out of respect to the scriptures, let's stand as we read. 1 John 5.11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Father... We ask your help tonight as we see your word. Help us to hear it openly and give us understanding for it, I ask. This is important, and we know that so much in the life of your children is dependent upon important truths we'll see in 1 John 5 tonight. So help us, I pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. May be seated. Let's start out quickly, if I can, with two misconceptions that we need to clear up in the book of 1 John. Here's the first one. Some people will say, and by the way, don't amen this because it's incorrect, all right? But some people will say, you know, if you're really born again, brother, you know it. Amen? I mean, if you really trusted Christ and you're born again, you know that you're born again. Now that's not true because verse 13, you want to look down at that, says, These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So let's stop for a second. Is he talking to saved people or lost people? Uh, I'll make it easier on you as if you were from Tennessee. Is he talking to believers are non-believers. He's talking to believers, is he not? Okay, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, next word, know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
Now the word know there would be like assurance. That is, you know that you have eternal life, and you know that because of what is written. See, so would there be some people who are saved who don't, quote, know it? That is, they don't have the assurance, they don't have the confidence that they're saved? Well, the answer is yes. Well, then how can one gain that confidence? And the answer is through that which is written. Number two, 1 John, now please get this, is written to Christians. 1 John is written to Christians. It's not written to people who are lost. Now, they can learn from it. They can gain from it. But it's written to Christians. It is not written to people who think they are saved, but who are not. It's written to Christians. It's not written so that people who are overconfident of their salvation can find out by looking at the standards in 1 John that they've actually never been saved. For example, 1 John says that people who are born again love the brethren. And so some people will say, see, if you don't love God's people as you should love God's people, that probably means you're not saved. It's not written to people who probably means you're not saved. It's written to Christians. How do we know that? Well, because he says in chapter 1, if we say we do no sin, we deceive ourselves, and his truth is not in us. In chapter 2, it says, and he, the Lord Jesus, is the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the whole world. It's ours, it's we, it's us. Now, 1 John does talk about those who were with us, but they went out from us, and they went out from us because they were never really with us. But 1 John is written to Christians. It's not, it is not a book of things you can look at to see whether or not you measure up being saved. Well, you say, yeah, but... What if somebody claims to be saved, but he doesn't love the brethren? Well, 1 John is not saying that everybody is perfect. Let's go back to chapter 1. If we say we do no sin, we deceive ourselves, and his truth is not in us. It's not saying that. It's talking about what Christian people should do. For example, suppose, um, forgive my English, suppose I'm nine. I'm nine years old, and my father is preaching a revival in this church. I've always loved to throw stuff. I've always loved to throw balls and rocks and so on. I've just always enjoyed that. So suppose I was outside of the church throwing rocks up on your new roof. Pastor very proudly pointed that out to me today. It's, it's made of steel or tin or whatever. Rocks wouldn't be kind to it. Suppose I've got rocks and I'm throwing them up on, on the roof and my dad drives up and gets out of the car and says to me, his son, Bill, what are you doing? Rices don't throw rocks at church buildings. All right, now am I supposed to hear that and say, well, maybe I'm not a rice? <laughs> Is that what the statement means? No, I am a rice, and that's why he's saying that. So does every child of God love other children of God as they should? No. So get with the program. <laughs> and that's what 1 John is saying. 1 John is written to Christians. And Christians can worry about, doubt, question 
their own salvation. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. We're not going to go into those tonight. But, by the way, one of the reasons that most bothers me is the wrong kind of preaching. Somebody says, you claim to be saved, but you don't come to church on Wednesday night. Don't tell me you're born again if you don't want to come to church on Wednesday night. A guy like that is a charlatan. You say, Brother Rice, that's pretty strong language. Well, Bible preachers ought preach the Bible, and the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that you're saved if you have placed your trust and faith in Christ, and that you can know that you're saved because you have trusted Christ. So let's just go through the passage and see what it says. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Number one, salvation is a gift. That covers a lot of questions. Salvation is a gift. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, you don't work for it, you don't merit it, you don't keep it because you live right. Salvation is a gift. You did not earn it. You cannot keep it. It was given to you by the God who bought it with his son's blood and made it possible for you to have eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. Number two, this gift is in a person. The person is Jesus Christ. Now, why is the gift in a person? Because he's the one that purchased it. I love the story of Simeon. You remember this in the opening verses of Luke? Simeon was in the temple. Simeon had been promised that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. When they brought in the child Jesus to do for him, the Bible says, after the custom of the law, Simeon saw him and he recognized him as the Messiah. And the Bible says, then took he, that's Simeon, him, that's Jesus, up into his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Now listen to this. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Okay, what did Simeon see? He saw a person. What did Simeon call the person? God's salvation. Salvation is a gift. It's in a person. Number three, if you have the person, you have salvation. This is the record. God's given to us eternal life. It's in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. All right, what does it mean to have the son? Well, John 1.12 helps me on this. The Bible says, but to as many as received him, took him, trusted him, have him, but to as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice, to receive Jesus or to have Jesus and to believe on Jesus are the same in John 1.12. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. To have the Son means you trust him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You believe in Christ. You believe in Jesus. You receive Jesus. You have the Son. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And then he says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may no, 
that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now notice the importance given to belief in 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. Believe, trust in, receive. When you receive Christ, you have eternal life. Uh, a fellow was telling me about his salvation experience, and I think it's fine, but he was telling me about his salvation experience, and he said, you know, when I was saved, it's just like, it's just like there was something new inside me, and I could just feel God the Holy Spirit surging through my body. All right, that's fine. I wouldn't even deny that that could happen, but that's not the way you know you're saved. You can get basically the same feeling by sticking your finger in a socket <laughs> made for electric light bulbs. And so the point is, you, you don't know that you're saved, you know, because you feel it. Have you ever heard this? I'll never forget the day I was saved. I'll never forget. Oh, brother, it was, a, it was a beautiful February day. And I was in Bonita Springs, and I remember seeing that I needed to trust Christ, and I went outside, and I fell to my knees, and I trusted Christ as Savior. Now, somebody hears that from Indianapolis, Indiana. And they think, that's a wonderful experience. February, he went outside. He fell to his knees, and he trusted Christ as Savior. So he says, I think hell tried that. He goes outside. He falls to his knees, and he freezes right there <laughs> on, on his knees. Now somebody says, Brother Rice, you're being silly. And I am. I'm being facetious. But the point is, the feeling is not the deal. Somebody says, I'll tell you one thing. When I, when I came to Christ, I wept my way to Jesus. Well, did you weep your way to Jesus? You know, I cry easily. I enjoy crying. I think crying's a wonderful thing. I can cry over anything. I mean, I can cry over an Alpo commercial if the dog is cute. I just, I, I, will, I will say to Mary, I'll say, isn't, isn't, isn't that a cute dog? Look at him. He's just wonderful. I, all right. So I, now in my family, nobody else does much. Uh, Ren, my daughter, doesn't cry very much. A little Mary doesn't cry a lot. Will has never cried in his life. Will, Will just doesn't cry. Will, I just shot your dog. Really? That's the way Will is. Now, I, I cry about everything. So you hear some guy, and he says, I wept my way to Jesus. And, and I remember when I came to the Savior, there was a sunlight in my heart, and my tears were wiped away. And then somebody says, well, I, I never had tears to begin with. This actually happened. My daughter, Wren, who was saved, she was saved in Texas. Mary led her to the Lord in our trailer. And after she was saved, she said to her mother, she was four, because she thought this was important. She said, Mom, I think I see a tear right here. Because she thought, you know, she should be weepy when she was saved. Now, I don't think it's wrong to be weepy when you're saved. In fact, I would be all for it. And I can see reason to that when you think of the pitiful failure all of us are in our sin. 
to come to the Lord Jesus would be a wonderful thing. I love, I love um, It Is Well With My Soul. The gentleman sang it this morning. I just love that song. It's a great song. Very difficult for me to hear that song without weeping. It's just a wonderful song. It's a wonderful truth. But a lot of people could hear it and not even be excited. Have you noticed the difference in the quartet? Brother Jeff is on this end. Brother Jeff is on this end. The white hair um, has a beautiful tenor voice. It's just amazing. He's, he's on this end. Okay, Brother Jeff has never met the guy on the other end. <laughs> Have you noticed this? Now, I think that's exciting. In other words, um, uh, I'm making up the words here. When I see him, this is Brother Jeff. When I see him. If you're looking for more, you're not going to get it. That's it. All right. The guy on the other side. <laughs> when I see him. Okay. Now the deal is, thank you. The deal is, they've both seen him. But they're different people. I can't be like you are, and you can't be like I am, and you don't need to be, nor do I. You're just you. When you have the sun, you have life. How do you know that? Because you feel it, because you experience it, because of the great change. How do you know that you have life? You know it because these things are written. I want you to see how it returns to this theme. These things I've written unto you, says the apostle, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, those of you who have believed on the name of the Son of God, so that you can know that you have eternal life, and so that you will believe on the name of the Son of God. Isn't it interesting how it comes back to that? I'm writing this to you who have believed on the name of the Son of God so that you can know that you have eternal life and so that you will believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, why does he return to that? Because salvation is wrapped up in your belief in Christ and not anything else. All right, but if a person's really saved, he'll act like it, won't he? You don't. And I'm not being silly. None of you do. None of you do. None of you people act like you're saved, at least not all the time. You said, Brother Rice, how do you know that? Well, there are two ways I know it. Number one, I'm a people too. And I don't always act like I'm saved. Number two, the Bible says you don't. The Bible says if you say you do no sin, you deceive yourself and his truth is not in you. So you don't live it all the time. You may want to. You should. But you don't. And if you are driven by what part of you wants and part of you may do and what part of you may not do and what part of you may not want, instead of going back to whether or not you've trusted Christ, you're had. See, somebody says, you know, if you're really, if you're really born again, you'll, you'll want to be in church. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been bored in church? Now, don't sit there and go, you know, like, like 
you're some spiritual giant. Have you ever been bored in church? I've been bored in church. I've been bored in church when I was preaching. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is not a good thing, but it's happened. All right. Well, don't you think, don't you think God's people ought to be enthused and not bored in church? Well, yeah, I think so, so get with the program. Have you ever wanted not to go to church? Come on, haven't you ever said, I, I really don't want to go? Three years ago, Mary and I were in Fort Lauderdale. It was about this time of year. And um, they were having the AFC Championship for you uh, uninterested in football people, the American, uh, the American League, the American AFC. They, they were playing for the championship, and the team that would win the championship would go to the Super Bowl, okay? My wife, Mary, is from Denver. And so Will and I and the girls, along with Mary, have kind of become Denver fans, so on Sunday night, I was to preach in a church in Fort Lauderdale right when the AFC championship was being played. Now let me ask you, AFC championship, Denver is playing, they're playing the New England cheaters. <laughs> this is, this is um, a couple years ago. The, the Broncos did win the game, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. You remember this? Okay. Mary's from Denver. So there were about 75 people crowded in this fairly small auditorium, and I was preaching my heart out when suddenly, in the middle of the service, somebody's phone blared with the AFC championship game. And they were seated right in the middle of the auditorium. Well, Mary and I have been in this church on many occasions, and so I looked out and I knew the lady whose phone had blared the AFC championship. And so I said to this lady, Mary Rice. Is that your phone? And she said, no, it's yours. <laughs> and the pastor was sitting over to my right, and he stood up and said, go Broncos. <laughs> okay, this is a Baptist church with me preaching the Bible. The pastor is rooting for the Broncos. My wife evidently is listening to the game. So I said to Mary after the service, I said, Mary, how did the Broncos game come on my phone? And she said, I, I don't know, Bill. I was just checking the score. <laughs> so, I'm trying to bring people into the kingdom. And my wife is checking the score. Now, you say, Brother Rice, were you upset with Mary? No. I was jealous of Mary. <laughs> she knew what happened in the game. 
I did not. All right. Now, you say, now, Brother Rice, let, let, let's just be, let's be frank about this. Don't you think that if a person really loved the Lord, he wouldn't be interested in the Broncos game? Yes, he would if they're playing New England. <laughs> yes. And by the way, the pastor would have been right there with me. <laughs> He's... He wouldn't have been interested in church either. I don't know if he is anyway, but, but he, he, he would have been. In, here, look, here's the point I'm making. The point I'm making is, you know what? You ought to get your heart in a service, shouldn't you? And you shouldn't be distracted by other things, should you? But often we are. You know what I've noticed lately? This bothers me. Now, it's just me, and I'm just a preacher, and I'm just talking to you. People leaving the service to go to the restroom or to go get a drink of water, these are adults. Can't you take care of that before the service starts? Well, you're thinking, yeah, but what if the service is long? Yeah, but I've noticed that in certain churches it happens more than in other certain churches. You know what that is? Teaching. Now, I don't think you should say, hey, sit down! I'm not finished preaching. I don't think you should say that, but I've been tempted. And it bothers me greatly when you start an invitation and people slip out. You say, well, they, they have work. Or, I know that, and I know all that's possible, and I understand that. But you ought to have priorities in your life, and you ought to love the Lord, and you ought to love church, even if it's not lovable. Are you following this? doesn't mean you will. So you don't say, well, I thought I was saved, but I, I, I didn't really get much out of the service. That's not the issue. Here's the issue. Have you believed on Christ? Have you trusted Christ? You say, well, yeah, but don't you think you should get the salvation thing settled? Yes, I do, and you will have it settled if you know you've believed on Christ, and then everything else will fall into place. Look, here's a boy, he's 17. He's in the youth group, but he's an outlier. Uh, he didn't go to everything. He's in the youth group. And this boy at 17 has problems with thinking improperly about girls. Okay, are you with me? He's 17. He's in the youth group. He claims to be saved, but it's obvious that he doesn't live it, and he has problems with thinking improperly about girls. And so everybody's praying for this boy. His name, we'll just make it up here, his name is, uh, his name is um, Jack. I'm making it up. If your son's name is Jack, I didn't know that. I'm making this up. All right, his name is Jack. So... They go to camp. Everybody's praying for Jack. All the girls are praying for Jack. All the boys are praying for Jack. Because, yes, he claims to be saved, but obviously he's not saved because he thinks wrong about girls and he talks about girls in a way that's not proper. And, and you know, it's just terrible. Well, a preacher gets up and he says, you know, you say you're saved, but you think improperly about ladies. I don't think you're saved. You ever heard anybody say something like that? I don't think you're saved. You can, you can say you're saved, brother. But I don't think you're saved, amen? Because if you're really saved, you wouldn't think wrong about girls, amen? 
So Jack gets under conviction, as he should, and he comes forward. And Jack is, quote, saved. And everybody's thrilled. And all the girls come up and hug Jack because he just got saved. Are you thinking? And the youth pastor is thrilled. Jack got saved. The problem is he goes home and he has a problem. What is it? He thinks improperly about girls. He never got that taken care of. So could a person be born again, blood-bought, on his way to heaven and still have sin in his life? Yes or no? Could that sin at 17 years of age in Jack's life be that he doesn't treat girls right? Yeah, it could be then let's get the sin taken care of. When I was about five, I was in a revival service in which my dad was preaching. And at the invitation, for some reason, and I really don't know because I was pretty young, I, I felt the need to go forward. And so I did. I went forward. And my dad met me. And he said, Bill, what have you come for? Well, I was getting questions I wasn't expecting. I was thinking, if I go forward, everybody will say, isn't that wonderful? The preacher's son is responding in the invitation. But my dad met me and he said, Bill, what have you come for? And so I thought real quickly and I said, well, I've been, I've been talking back to mother. And my dad said, well, boy, it's really good you came forward for that. He said, you know, in our home, kids get spanked for talking back to their mother. I got more counsel than I was bargaining for. <laughs> That's not what I was looking for, but it was wisdom on the part of my father. See, if you're not doing right, let's get it cleared up. Now, somebody says, okay, but what if a person doesn't know he's saved? Well, why would he if he's not living right? question is, if he is saved, shouldn't he know that? All right, well, how can he know it? This is the record. God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, come back to the belief in Christ or the assurance of your salvation. Now, none of this, none of this is a license to do what's wrong, but you won't get the doing what's wrong taken care of until you know that you're saved. If in every revival service you're worrying about whether or not you're saved, get that settled. If you're worrying about whether or not you're saved, you won't give attention to the things that need attention in your life. And what needs attention in your life, if you are born again, is sin. See, so go back to chapter 1. If we say we do no sin, we deceive ourselves, his truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you permit a brief personal testimony about the matter of salvation? I was saved when I was four. I was almost five. It was in the fall of the year. I had heard the gospel literally all of my life. 
from my father and my mother. By the way, this has always fascinated me. Dad was the evangelist in the family, but he was gone a lot when I was young. When I got to third grade, he started taking us with him. Um, but mother was at home, and mother led Betty to Christ, my deaf sister. Mother led Kay to Christ, my sister just older than I. Mother led me to Christ, and mother led Pete to Christ. So mother led all of us to Christ. You know, among other things, that means that any mom can be a soul winner. And mother led us to Christ. So I was four years old, and I went into the kitchen. My mother was there, and I said, Mother, I need to talk to you. And she said, What about? And I said, I need to be saved. Now, I don't remember what mother said. She probably said, Do you ever? But I don't know what she said. And so we sat down in the kitchen. She took a Bible. She said, Bill, you know you're a sinner. You know that. And you know sinners don't go to heaven. You know that. And you deserve death, separation from God, and hell forever and ever. But Jesus Christ paid that. He died in your place. He paid the penalty for your sin. And if you'll ask the Lord Jesus, if you'll trust the Lord Jesus, you can have eternal life. So I asked the Lord Jesus to save me, and he did, and I am. Now, I'm 76. Now, this is the truth. Because of godly parents and clear Bible teaching, I never went through a struggle in my life as to whether or not I was saved. Now, I don't think it's terrible if you have. I think most of us do, but I never went through it. Now, I remember, I remember when I was in college, I thought, Bill, if you're saved, why in, the world, why in the world aren't you more excited about the things of God? I think that's a valid question. But you come back to, if you have the Son, you have life. And I'm writing this to you so that you can know that you have eternal life and so that you can believe on the name of the Son of God. And it's wonderful. I've never been awakened in the middle of the night. I've never, had, I've never heard a sermon from a preacher that was, quote, get lost to help me see that I may claim to be saved, but I really never have been, never happened in my life. I've, this is wonderful. It's wonderful to be an old guy and still know you're saved. And anybody can, and it can when you rest in what Christ says and what the Bible says rather than your feelings or your intuition or your desire to do things that are right or the lack thereof or your desire to do things that are wrong or the lack thereof. You can know that you're saved because God says so. This is the record that God hath given to his eternal life. This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's bow for prayer. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.